Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ineligible Man Downfield Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Golian. Episode 3 here. Last week, some technical difficulties with the recording software that I use to make the podcast. And, um, well, it was a little bit above above my pay grade. So I simply just uninstalled and re-downloaded, reinstalled the program, and now things are working swimmingly. So here we are with episode three. A lot went down in both college and professional football. Um, We're going to get to all those things, and so let's just not wait for it. Let's get right into college football. Last weekend, the Big Ten returned. Ohio State had a big win. Indiana, controversially, beats Penn State in overtime. Wisconsin has one heck of a performance Young quarterback Graham Mertz, and that's kind of where things start. Impressive performance, his debut with for the Badgers, and now Graham Mertz tests positive for COVID-19. Per Big Ten policy, he is out 21 days. Following that, a team outbreak occurs where the backup quarterback, several other players and staffers, including head coach Paul Christ, get it. Wisconsin, they cancel their game against Nebraska. They're ceasing football activities and it kind of puts you know Wisconsin right now ranked number nine and so it puts them in a tough situation because keep in mind I didn't say the game was postponed which is a key key word in these pandemic times it wasn't postponed it was canceled there is no intention of rescheduling this game which affects Wisconsin's ability to compete for a Big Ten championship this season Right now, the minimum is six games. Well, they're already down to seven, and that's assuming that they get back to things within next week, which is absolutely no guarantee. And a lot of criticism has come down over the Big Ten for how they handled this as far as waiting to start the season and not allowing themselves for bye weeks or any any such error. And I think that, unfortunately, people are right in that criticism. By sitting on their hands for a little bit, by saying that they weren't going to play and not being as steadfast, they did allow for little little margin for error for these teams. And unfortunately, in today's climate, that isn't, that isn't a good idea. You have to allow it. Because the reality is that it's going to be contracted by somebody. These teams are not in bubbles. They are traveling. A very tough situation. But to move things on to the brighter side of news, Mid-American Conference football is back this week. November 4th, that we're, we're going to get it. A full day, full evening of MAC football. The Pac-12 comes back. The Mountain West comes back. Things are starting to come together. Everyone's going to be playing college football, and it will be glorious. I'm really excited about it. I love Tuesday and Thursday night action. I have for some time. So I'm very much looking forward to seeing those teams compete. Kent State, Bowling Green, OU, Western Michigan, Central Michigan, the Northern Illinois Huskies, uh, any any of them, any of them, Eastern Michigan, I'm ready. I'm ready for it all. I've missed Mid-American Conference football. My Tuesdays and Thursdays have just not been the same without it, especially now that the weather's really fall, a little damp, very chilly. That's That starts making me think about Tuesday and Thursday night matching, so I'm very excited about that. As far as the rest of college football goes, uh, it's not a it's not a great weekend of matchups in all reality. You have Ohio State and Penn State, which I think could be interesting, but Ohio State is just so loaded. 
they are so talented. I, I don't know what that game ends up looking like. I think that Penn State can keep things close, but Ohio State will pull away with a victory in the end. Last week, if you were watching late game on ESPN2, the Cincinnati Bearcats took down the SMU Mustangs. They are now reign supreme over the American Athletic Conference. Cincinnati right now is ranked number seven in the AP poll. They take on Memphis this week. That's an interesting matchup. The Tigers right now have been playing a lot of teams tough. It took a last-minute field goal for SMU to, to defeat Memphis. You know, but Desmond Ritter was unbelievable in that game. Made a lot of great plays. Cincinnati put up a big one, a big point total on them. Keeping it with this week in college football, it, other than Ohio State and Penn State, it's not really a notable matchup. Uh, Wisconsin-Nebraska could have been something that I highlighted. Indiana and Rutgers, the new Big Ten powers taking on each other there. You know, maybe Mississippi State, Alabama. You want to think that Mike Leach could maybe pull off the impossible. Right now, according to the sporting news, Alabama is favored by 30 and a half points, which is just a stupid total, even though they're at home in Tuscaloosa. 30 and a half points. Arkansas, Texas A&M could be a decent game. North Carolina, Virginia. I mean, there's just nothing that really jumps out. That's not to say I don't want to watch a full Saturday of or full Saturday slate of college football, but not a lot of eye-catching matchups on paper. Now things could materialize in these games, but so you just have to keep your hand steady on that remote this Saturday to figure out what game's the best game to tune into. We now move on to the NFL here on the Ineligible Man Downfield podcast. We'll start off talking the NFL trade deadline. And this is just my own two cents on the matter. Because the NFL is not very synonymous with trades. There's only been a handful that have gone on already. None of them are too notable. Everson Griffin traded from the Cowboys to the Lions. I don't think that's a bad move. But, I mean, he's exchanged for a sixth-round pick. Carlos Dunlap... Traded from Cincinnati to Seattle. Dunlap pitching a fit the past oh, week or so, week and a half. Talking about, you know, putting up his his, house, his residence in Cincinnati up on the internet. Um, complaining about his playtime and his rotation in the depth chart. So I think that one was just a matter of time. The big move is probably Yannick Ngakwe going from the Minnesota Vikings to the Baltimore Ravens. Which is a massive move for... A very stout Ravens defense. They somehow managed to get better with this move, and significantly so. This year, given how much instability or how much of a, I hate to say a crapshoot, but the NFL draft is a calculated guessing game. It's not an exact science. There's no formula that you can follow to be 100% successful. While it is the best way to build your team in the NFL, the NFL has this this value on draft picks that far surpasses any other league. And I think this year, when you're having a limited sample size for any prospect, now for some guys it's only by limited by a couple less games, but others it's you know, four or five, which I think is significant. And if you're a team that's picking the lower end of a lot of rounds, I would make the move. If you could get and secure yourself some young talent, now it's been up in the air who all is and isn't available. A lot of rumors surrounding that. Quinn and Williams being the 
the first name that comes to mind. Is he available? Is he not available? But players like that, it's worth it to spend that draft capital for something that's proven that can help you win now. The playoffs are expanded. The draft, being what it is this season, already down one one less uh, college all-star game. The East-West Shrine game is not happening this season, which is significant. A lot of guys come from from that game that get drafted and our starters I think there's already five or six this season alone so one less opportunity to evaluate you know college level prospects and so I really think that that would be if I was an NFL general manager I wouldn't hesitate so much to make that move more so this year than in any other year well it kind of started last week in Miami but it is if it wasn't then it officially is to a time now Dolphins announced that they will start rookie quarterback Tua Tungavailoa this week. And it kind of comes with some controversy because Ryan Fitzpatrick has been able to get this team right in the thick of things. They are 3-3 three and three heading into the bye. They won two in a row. Seems like an odd time to move on from the quarterback spot and, and bench that guy, but I'll, I disagree. And I disagree for this simply because of recent history. It goes without saying most of the time as I proceed to say it that the quarterback position is by far the most important on a football team. When you're putting together a team that is the position that you cannot miss on. There's no covering that up. Can't band-aid it together. Not sustainable for success. You've got to figure out if you have your guy and it's difficult to figure that out if your guy is sitting on the bench. You don't know what you have in Tua if he's not out there playing with this team. You don't really know what you need necessarily either going forward. You know what Ryan Fitzpatrick is. There's no shocks there. I mean, he he is what he is at this point. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I appreciate his honesty because it does suck. He was very upset about it. And it's hard to blame him for that. But from an organizational standpoint, the way that they're committed to this rebuild... They need to figure out down in Miami if two is the guy. Because if the draft started today, roughly, the Dolphins would own the number 7, number 14, number 38, and number 48 overall picks. So that's pretty significant draft capital if you have to move up to get a quarterback, if if that's what you're interested in. Arizona sort of set this precedent where, okay, we don't believe in this guy, so we're just going to go get another one. They didn't believe in Josh Rosen. They go get Kyler Murray. Things worked out pretty well for them. Traded away Rosen. He's on the practice squad now for the Buccaneers. His third team. And the Arizona Cardinals are are winning big-time Sunday night football games over the Seattle Seahawks with Kyler Murray. And while that's not the situation for everyone, it certainly makes sense to me to figure out what you have. The other thing, and I think this probably played a lot into the decision-making. There hasn't been left a left-handed quarterback in the NFL, and I don't even know how long. Mark Burnell, maybe? There's probably somebody intermediate between there, but the NFL needed a lefty, and the Miami Dolphins are going to give 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 the NFL just that. There's some bar room or living room trivia for you. Left-handed quarterbacks that you can name. There's not many. Not many. I certainly, I can't remember any recently. I guess Kellen Moore, maybe? Kellen Moore, now the offensive coordinator for the Dallas Cowboys. He was a lefty. Tim Tebow was a lefty. Mark Brunel, obviously, as I just mentioned, was a lefty. But other than that, 
tough to think of any. The other funny part about that, about bringing up the Arizona Cardinals, is that's who, who Tua will be making his first NFL start against is the Arizona Cardinals. So it'll be an interesting game to see there. I'm curious what their offense looks like with Tua in it. I'm curious what they plan on doing with a little bit more veteran secondary that, I mean, even made Russell Wilson pay for it a little bit last week. Be curious to see how, how that game plan goes with trying to trying to help the rookie out. But we'll move on to our next topic in the NFL, and that's this, this crazy connotation that the Browns' offense and Baker Mayfield are better without Odell Beckham Jr. OBJ goes down very early in the Bengals-Browns game this past weekend. Uh, holding his knee does not look good. We come to find out he tore his ACL. He's out for the season. Now, the Browns went on in this game to have a lot of offensive success, and they ultimately won the football game. And so it, it begged some, I guess, to ask the question, is the offense better without OBJ? Is Baker Mayfield better without OBJ? Baker Mayfield has talent as a quarterback. He has ability. It showed this weekend. But his abilities and his talent is not to the level where he can carry an offense and a team solely. Meaning, he needs the help that he has around him. And while his numbers might not necessarily represent that, Odell Beckham Jr. is is an elite talent at the wide receiver position. And so to say that an offense is better without him is just kind of preposterous. Now, I understand the, the argument being that it, the ball is forced to him too often and, and forcing those passes to him, OBJ, constantly isn't good for the offense. It doesn't help other guys get going. And that's certainly true, but ultimately that's, that's a Baker Mayfield decision. Odell Beckham Jr. is not forcing him to throw the football. He's not... It's impossible. He's running his routes, and Baker Mayfield feels the need to force the football to him. So that's that's not indicative of anything that OBJ does. I think this is just a team that's still figuring things out, and that it's immensely talented. And they're going to win a lot of football games, and I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever if they entered the playoffs this season. Again, with the playoffs being extended, the Browns not having the most difficult schedule going forward. And they're a team that, once they get some momentum, it's really difficult to stop them. On defense, if they could just get a little bit, if they could just get a little bit more bend but don't break, I think that would solve all their problems. I thought that that game was important for the Browns coaching staff. When you come out and you perform the way that they did against the Steelers two weeks ago, it's a little bit of a gut check moment. And by no means am I saying that Kevin Stefanski is new Vince Lombardi, but but they, they needed to step up. They needed to be the coaching staff that everyone believes them to be. And I, I thought last week that they were. That was some adversity. Adversity to have your star wide receiver get hurt early in the game. Adversity to only have three receivers to play the rest of the game. Adversity to get a win down in Cincinnati coming off of a really bad loss. But I'm curious to see what this Cleveland Browns team will do against the Las Vegas Raiders this week. 2 o'clock game there. The Raiders have shown that they can they can play in a shootout. It was just a few weeks ago that they did that against the Kansas City Chiefs and came out of that one victorious. 
The over-under set for the Browns-Raiders game is 51.5, and and I I think that that's an easy margin for these two teams to get to. I'd probably take the over on that one. Browns favored by 2.5 points, so that's where the odds makers are at. A lot of really great matchups this week in the NFL in general. Steelers-Ravens, always a classic AFC North game. First time they're meeting each other this season. That'll be in Baltimore. The Ravens are allowing fans for the first time. They have Ngakwe. Going to be a really great matchup, as always. The 49ers and the Seahawks with an NFC West battle. Always a, always a fun time with those two teams and their, some of their shared history. Patriots, Bills, the Patriots coming on tough times. It'll be the first time they could lose if they lose this week. 0-3 since like 2002, which is crazy. Uh, I don't. It's hard for me to feel bad for the Patriots, given that I'm not a huge, not huge fan of them, and that's putting it mildly. Anyway, a lot of really great matchups in the NFL this weekend. Some college football ones, and I'm sure some more will materialize. Uh, but enjoy the football. Right now, the instability of everything and COVID protocols and everything like that. You just don't know week to week what you're going to be getting. So, anytime you can, enjoy. Enjoy the action. Enjoy Thursday night football. Monday night football, Sunday night football, Saturday prime time, no matter what it is. The show is available on the majority of podcast platforms. If we add any, I'll update that via our Twitter account. That is at IMDownfield. That's IMDownfield. Follow the show on Twitter for football-related news notes, funny videos, that kind of thing. I try to use that as a resource to put out good information. Some of my favorite writers and analysts and such. Also, feel free to give me a follow on Twitter at ChrisGolian65. Thank you for tuning into the show, and take care until next week.